Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast that never disappoints when the results are against them. Um, well, somebody, somebody may say otherwise. First of all, a public service announcement. This is an apology. Um, we did not record last week and it's all my fault. Um, I, I didn't really, I didn't have a voice for Tuesday and Wednesday. Some would say that would have made for a better pod with me on it, but you know, that's for you to judge. But uh, our apologies for that. Um, yeah, it was all done to me and I'm sorry. I still love you all, and I'm sure you all still love me. But we're back this week, and of course we've got plenty to get our teeth into. Uh, just a bit of a heads up, really. The next two weeks' episodes are probably going to focus fairly heavily on the two French teams left in Europe, which obviously is PSG and Lyon next week. Uh, if Lyon gets smashed 10-0, then we might not bother, but we'll see how that goes. But this week, certainly, we are going to uh, to go deep into Paris, uh, metaphorically and literally, possibly. So um, I've got with me this evening, I've got Phil and I've got Jez. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Hi. Right, uh, let's waste no time then, uh, lady and gent. Let's, uh, let's launch straight into it. So, um, Phil, I'm going to sort of queue you up here. Full-time result on the Tuesday was British Dortmund 2, Paris Saint-Germain 1, uh, playing some music, of, I've heard this one before, but... Let's, uh, let's delve into the stats first of all. Um, what, what were the, the numbers saying? Well, I think what we had here was a kind of a, a, an interesting cadence down for, for BSG. They, they had a Coupe de France quarterfinal last week where they smashed Dijon 6-1, business as usual. Things went a bit pear-shaped at the weekend when they drew 4-4 with Amiens, which would be the equivalent of Liverpool drawing 4-4 with Norwich, basically. And then they went into this. And they went into this playing... Three at the back for the first time all season. Um, and with uh, Marco Verratti and uh, Dana Gay kind of sitting quite deep in the middle. And it looked a bit like a defence, obviously defensive, but a little bit scaredy, maybe. Um, and the f- formation, the way things work, there wasn't kind of much uh, forward motion a lot of the time. We've got um, XG from Mike Gailey. Kaylee, which is 1.4 to 1.2, which is possibly down to Haaland's second goal being so unexpected. Um, 12 shots to 10, three on target to three on target. It looked, from those perspectives, close, but I'm not sure it felt like that when we were watching it. You had two teams playing three at the back, one of whom is used to it and one of whom isn't, and they just didn't kind of fit together very well. Um, a blast from the past, uh, I feel... Guerrero playing um, uh, over there for BVB, as well as uh, Mini Hazard and obviously Jaden Sancho, who's uh, getting a lot of a lot of press and rightly so. So it was an interesting setup, and it felt like quite a negative approach from Tuchel, and things kind of didn't get much more positive once we started. Yeah, yeah. I, sorry, I thought you were gonna gonna go mm. further into that, but yeah, no. Mm. I think you're. I think you. In terms of the the lineups and that, it was kind of what was expected. Um, I think there was there was two very. It's quite rare actually when you see um, the two publications in France completely differing on their lineups, but um, that certainly was the case on the, on this particular occasion. Um, Jez, I, I'm gonna sort of present the floor to you to uh, to waltz onto now. Um, let, let's sort of start with with overall the, the results. So Dortmund were the home side, they won 2-1. We do need to give a bit of context in this, a bit of balance in that PSG have got the away goal. Um, they will still be, um, you know, sort of heavy 
not favourites, but heavily weighted in, in terms of their chances in the home leg at, at PDP in, in three weeks' time. Um, but I guess I'll just sort of say this straight away and see what you think. We've been here before, haven't we? Um, what was your thoughts on the performance overall and, and any individuals that you'd like to highlight? Um, yeah, I've been sort of thinking all day about how I'm going to get this out. <laughs> um, I, I mean, he, first he of all, him directly, people. I think two-one on the face of it is not a bad result at all. It's better mm-hmm. than one-nil because they got the away goal. It's, I reckon, before the match, probably a lot of people would have been happy to go back with a two-one, but. For those who didn't watch the match, 2-1 is an incredibly flattering result for PSG. Um, they showed pretty much nothing. Dortmund were completely dominant. And, um, you know, a couple of bad bits of decision-making and bad finishing um, sort of saved PSG from from uh, a much worse result and something that they would have deserved, I think. Um, I don't actually have a problem necessarily with them setting up to be defensive, um, as long as they kind of play that game well. But mm. they did not. Um, it, it was sort of, sounds silly to say, but it was defensive in defence, but the midfield was a bit of nothing. Um, I think if they were going to play defensively, they should have gone 4-3-3, um, pushed maybe Marquinhos or kept Marquinhos in defence and put Kouassi. Um, actually had three decent midfielders trying to have an element of control in midfield. Mm. As it was, they had three three in defence. So Marquinhos is back in defence um, with the best one in the world. Thiago Silva, um, you know, he was preparing well with a diabolical first half against Amiens at the weekend. He carried on where he left off. He was awful. Um, he is one of those who's come back from injury, so slightly mitigating circumstances, except that, as you said, we've been here before, and that's the problem. Kimpembe, for the most part, wasn't so bad, but a couple of ridiculous brain freezes that he was very lucky they didn't um, end up in, in more Dortmund goals. Silva was just completely humiliated for Haaland's second. Um, and in midfield, they had Verratti and Gay. Now, Gay... This or Trezeguet, as the English commentary team, I think he was called I don't yesterday. Don't believe that happened. <laughs> um, he, I feel slightly sorry for him just because this was this was it. This was you know the whole point of the move to PSG was so he could play Champions League, and the whole point of him joining PSG was that, so that they would have a bit more midfield solidity. And you know, hopefully, it's just a one-off. But he had a horrific game. And either way, even if he'd been um, sort of half decent, just him and Verratti, who I thought played very well defensively, but it was sort of a lot of coming back and um, last-ditch tackles and blocks in his own area. It wasn't in terms of controlling the midfield. They were just fighting a losing battle. Chan and, and Witzel were just infinitely um, better than them. And the PSG, they, they weren't getting support from their full-backs, who, again, I think Actually, didn't play terribly. Kazawa, I know he had that hilarious misplaced pass, but uh, by his standards, I thought was he was reasonably reasonably decent, um, and he didn't have an easy job sort of combating Hakimi. But I thought he played reasonably well. But again, I don't think they were sure whether to stick or tri- twist, whether to help the defence or their 
they were supposed to push forwards. And so they were a bit wishy-washy, didn't help the midfield at all. And yeah, effectively Dortmund just were able to dominate the game. Um, I don't know where to go next. I don't know whether to start talking <laughs> well, about individuals. <laughs> shall I, if, if I kind of jump in with a, a little bit more on the numbers um to my surprise uh looking at the who scored ratings um Verratti was not highly marked um which i think may be more down to the context as jess said that while defensively useful it wasn't necessarily the prettiest uh, display in the world kazawa got seven and a half um which is good but one thing i saw from i think it was between the posts um kind of pass map is that everything was kind of hutched a bit to the um, left-hand side and mostly revolving around Ferrati. And unfortunately, you might want a game revolving around your playmaker. You don't necessarily want them revolving around one of effectively your holding midfielders. And the heat maps that who scored have got have basically got a big red blob for PSG around the centre circle and their own side and two you know, tiny, sad, little green amoebas attempting to get up front and not doing it very often. And so coming, we'll talk about obviously what happens in the next leg later, but Munier and Verratti both getting themselves suspended for the next leg was, a, I think, a complication that uh, kind of um, was kicking a man while he was down there, uh, particularly the Verratti one, which was for pure lip I think, apart from uh, anything else, having forgotten he was on a booking. So it was not the kind of dynamic and free-flowing PSG we are used to seeing in Liga. And obviously everybody is saying, well, they have problems like this because they're not tested in the league. And yes, you know, there's a big argument for that. But changing the way you play is tricky. And doing it for the first time all season against a very good team is possibly not the best time to do that. Previously, people who've played three at the back in Ligue 1 to try to counter PSG have practiced it a game or two beforehand. So they actually see it working in reality. And that didn't happen here. And I think it just felt that with wing-backs kind of being told, OK, we've got three at the back, they decided to not do much defending um, and the whole issue of whose role was what did seem to be a bit confused apart from anything else yeah yeah I agree with that when watching the game I mean I I thought personally I felt going into the game um, I, I just whether it's sort of pure blind ignorance or pure hope I don't know but I, I really thought this was an opportunity for for PSG to to just silence a lot of the critics and, and, and really sort of get that focus on and say, do you know what? Hey, it's, it's, this is us, you know, there's no excuses now. Neymar was fit and Bappe obviously is, is in decent form, you know, as, as decent as it can be. He's always, is always a threat. Um, there's, there was no issue with the goalkeeper like we've had previously. There, there has, there is some injury issues at the moment, um, which, you know, we, we couldn't completely gloss over. But that said, um, Jez, I'll come to you on this one. This was the season, wasn't it, that they built the squad. They they got these new players in. They fleshed out the squad. There was a better midfield, as we as I said there. There was a better goalkeeper. Um, that front two or three, whichever it may be, arguably one of the best in Europe. Is it is it now purely a mental block that PSG are just never going to get over? Or is it fear of, of a Man City situation happening? I'm joking, of course, there. But 
what what is it like what what do you think it is is it purely the management and the structure which we will come on to or is it more about these players and the mentality do they need to freshen it completely um i think it's a i think it's a bit of all of those things i don't think um I just think all the way through the club, there's 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 problems there. I don't think Verratti he didn't forget. It was Meunier who forgot he was on a booking. Oh, right. Verratti, Verratti knew he was on a booking, played brilliantly, and then for the last fifteen minutes or so, it looked like he was going out of his way. It looked like one of those things where he was trying to get a ban because you know the next match didn't matter. Um, I've just read. I think this is his eighth Champions League campaign with PSG, and he's got a ban in seven of them. It's disgraceful. And it's this kind of repeated mistakes that are a joke. Thiago Silva going mentally missing as well as um, arguably performance-wise when it matters. The same thing. Leonardo, who, you know, all the PSG fans were like hailing him from the rooftops a couple of weeks ago because he gave that um, post-match sort of engineered press conference where he was like, yeah, it's cool, don't worry, there's no such thing, there's no fear, we're not scared, we've got two of the four best players in the world. And even if we were to lose, um, it doesn't matter because it's only football, it's only a game, it really doesn't matter. And people were saying, oh, isn't that great? He's taken all the pressure off. Bollocks. It's embarrassing. It's setting a tone that PSG don't need to be taken seriously by, by any other team. Um, Dortmund... They're challenging in the Bundesliga, but frankly, all the other teams have had dodgy periods. They, they, in a way, one of the most stable teams there. They should be miles ahead, and they're not because they're diabolical defensively. And PSG didn't even try to um, test them until they went a goal down. Mbappe had a couple of decent snapshots that would, you know, they were well saved, but you'd have expected the keeper to save them. And they only showed any kind of attacking impetus. And it was only because of a moment of, of genius and a little bit of bad luck, actually, by French defender Zagadou that, that put Mbappe through to, to set Neymar up. There was no... I said at the start, I think if PSG had set out to defend, um, to, to take some kind of lead or, or maybe draw or whatever to, to Paris next time, fine. But actually, they shouldn't need to do that. They're PSG. They've got supposedly two of the best four players in the world. They're not playing the best team in Germany. They're not playing one of the best teams in Europe. They shouldn't be showing fear, even going somewhere as intimidating as, as, as yesterday's ground. And I think the trouble is all the way through. I think they're... In terms of certain players, I think there has to come a point where you have to say... I know it sounds silly because they've won so much with PSG, but Thiago Silva, you've been for, here for seven years. You're a serial loser. Verratti, you keep shooting yourself in the foot. You're a serial loser. We need to change things completely. There's certain players that should be out on their ass. There's certain other players um, who, yeah, are one of the best players in the world, but are they really playing for their team or are they playing for themselves? Um, there's so many problems there, and it goes all the way through from... Al-Khalafi Al Al at the top to the players to Tuchel everything's a mess there and again in two weeks time or whenever it is three weeks time we might be saying yeah um, on, you know that they comfortably won their home leg good for them they're through to the next round but again they, they're lucky not to already be out of this tie mm. yeah. Um, yeah this is in a sense whatever happens in the next leg this leg is a harbinger of what is to come we can't use their league form to predict how the Champions League is going to go. So the group stage, similarly, you know, it's when we get to these kind of matches 
um, that if you if they want to be taken seriously and go all the way, thing results like this shouldn't happen. And so that's you know a worrying thing for them. Um, on in terms of you know the the best players in the world thing, obviously Mbappe got an assist, decent marks, played well, but you can see the pressure that is still on him and the expectations are so high that Lequipe's um, flop of the night, uh, flop of the match, uh, they have him top of the flops, 57%, and that's 97,000 respondents. You know, they should really put Lequipe in charge of doing um, YouGov surveys. Uh, I have big issues with that, though. Yeah. I mean, it's all, P- but it's PSG fans who are cross with him for not being the genius they expect. Yeah, that, that, that to me, that to me seems incredibly harsh. I mean, you know, for all his, um, he does have, have some failings, you know, particularly like the arrogance sometimes can get the better of him. But this is, this is still a, a young prodigy player. I mean, the, the pressure that is on his shoulders, um, and and I think I don't I don't want to get on the let's bash Neymar train again. But this, this I do. I mean, disagree on, on that. On on his day and in any game, he he is a world class genius footballer, and he's a pleasure to watch. But I'm sorry, I don't I I cannot entertain the idea that a player can just disappear for two weeks of a season. Um, for a birthday party every year have and have it basically accepted or written into his contract if you're you, you've got to have togetherness and there is no way that that doesn't affect other players and not just other players but continuity of lineup if you're if you're constantly rotating your team I mean I get the Amion performance I get, I get they were resting players but if Neymar's not even around the training ground then there's no way he is he's getting as much pre-match information as the rest of the PSG squad are. The movements, the, the skill games, the, the, you know, the, the, the attacking plays. If you've got, you know, bless him, Eddie Cavani up there, he's not going to do the same things Neymar's going to do no. in training. He, he, would be, he would be making notes in a little notebook as well, I guess. Yeah. I just don't take Neymar seriously anymore now he doesn't have stupid hair. I don't know. It just Now he just looks like a normal bloke. It's very <laughs> Which wouldn't actually disconcerting. Do him- wouldn't wouldn't do him the worst thing in the world in in, in fairness, but I don't know. I, that that bit I I struggle with. Um, I also struggle with the you know the Kimpembe thing. There's there's been a bit of discussion about him today on his brother posting some obscenities about Tuchel um, on Instagram. Where do you sit on the coach, Jez? How much do you put down to to Tuchel? I mean, this is a, a coach who knows German football well. He knows Borussia Dortmund very well. Um, for me, the, the biggest failing uh, that the PSG had yesterday was not going into that game, as you rightly say, and attacking it. You know, Dortmund, I've seen enough of them this season myself, and, and in recent times, you only have to look at the Leverkusen game, lost 4-3, um, and then that could have been 8-9. 3-2 three, three, up with 10 minutes left. Exactly. It? You know, now that's for me, that's a coaching failure. Is that where you sit on that one as well? Uh. Like I said, I think it's a failure all the way through. I mean, just quickly to go back to Mbappe and Neymar. Mbappe, to an extent, I feel sorry for him because he was he was playing the centre-forward role and was starved of any um, any kind of service. And the two or th- like I said, the two or three chances he was given, to be fair, he got away a couple of decent shots and then did brilliantly to set up the goal. Um, where I feel less sorry for him is, first of all, 
that I think he puts a lot of that pressure on his on himself. Yes, he's the World Cup winner. Yes, he is the next big superstar, probably of football. But um, I think he sort of has got a little bit kind of Billy Big Boots and, and should rein it in a little bit. Um, also, um, I think it was Dugari. It was Dugari or Dumeco today. He was comparing him to to Haaland and saying, you know, they're playing the same position. The difference was that Haaland was battling for every ball. He was, you know, he was making sure that the centre, even if he wasn't getting the ball, he was still making sure with his physical presence, the centre-backs knew he was there, knew he was around. You know, there was one moment where he elbowed Thiago Silva in the face. A bit of all of that. And, and Bappe wasn't showing any of that. Um, and I, I think... Yeah, he's made so much fuss about how he wants to be the centre forward. To be honest, certainly as a as playing up front by himself, I don't think he's ready to do that. I don't think he's ready to do the the less glamorous aspects of that job. Mm. But I do feel sorry to an extent. Neymar, I feel differently about. I, all the fanboys going on about, oh, well, at least he was trying to do something. He was the only one trying to do something. He also lost the ball 30 times. So you know, if you're gonna, if you're trying to do something and it's clearly not working, stop trying to do it. Um, yeah. To be fair to him, he did. At some point, it felt like he stopped trying to dribble around five players from a ridiculously deep position and instead play some kind of quarterback role. But that is effectively Verratti's role. I don't mind Verratti having the the main bit of the heat map around him because I think everything does go through him. But um, Neymar was pumping these like little. Or these chip bulls sort of 30 yards and they were going to no one and they weren't helping um, my issue with him is he, you know after the match he came out and said that he's been ready to play for a while and he's annoyed that they that he wasn't played in at least the last two matches if not three again I think this is a perfect example of everything that's wrong with the club mm-hmm. firstly he finished that with and so it was me who suffered which just shows where his thinking is it's not about the team it's about him secondly there was an argument between clearly there was a disagreement between him Tuchel and Leonardo and the medical team about whether or not he was fit Thirdly, one of the reasons everyone, one of the excuses everyone's giving for him is, oh, well, he hasn't played the last four matches. It was 17 fucking days. It's not like he's just come back from serious ligament damage or something. And if he's been ready to play for the last two or three matches, presumably he has been going all out in training. So make up your mind. I'm not having that he wasn't ready. And he should have the game intelligence. Again, rightly or wrongly, Neymar should be judged by a higher standard than other people. He left Barcelona to be the Ballon d'Or, to win the European, the Champions League. So if he's not doing it, not, not necessarily all by himself, but overcoming all the odds to show what a fantastic player he is, what a match winner he is, then I don't think it's good enough. And it's not like they were, he was playing, um, uh, I don't know, Anfield against the current rampant Liverpool or something like that. Again, he was playing against a diabolical defence, what should be a diabolical defence, although they were made to look world-class yesterday. Mm. Um, he... If you can't run because you haven't played for 17 days, don't run then. But then stop trying to dribble around the whole of the other team. Appreciate that you have actually got teammates. Edouard Sisse in L'Equipe today said he doesn't think that Mbappe deserved all the stick because he said he was making good runs and Neymar was constantly ignoring him. And Mm -hmm. if Neymar's ignoring Mbappe, you certainly can't expect him to pass to anyone else. No, no, no. I, I think I think they're all completely valid points, and um, 
you know, again, I, I, I want it's it's a weird it's a weird one because I I want PSG to do well in this tournament um, and win it potentially, and it's bittersweet because I want that more than anything else, just so I can. Um, basically uh, rub it in everyone's face for basically the rest of my life um, about the fact that, that French teams can win in Europe because it's doing my head in every time. These sort of results, you, it just feeds that narrative that that they're essentially the Spurs of France. They bottle everything that they ever go into. Had to get that in there. But um, it, it just it just frustrates me. That, that biggest frustration of that whole game was just the idea, like you say there, going into it with this defensive negative approach, go into the game, score two goals, then go defence. You know, then go defensively. Get get two goals up, get three goals up, destroy the game. You know, I never understand these teams that go in really cautiously, um, or, especially when you've got that forward line. Or, as you said, cause, oh, sorry, I was supposed to be talking about Tuchel. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, start however you want to start, but if it isn't working, change it. Yeah. Tuchel came, like, first of all, he made himself a laughing stock by saying, but we have played 3-4-3 before. We played it against Dijon, because mm. Dijon and Dortmund, obviously. Um, ridiculous thing to say, I think, in a, in a post-Champions League press conference. With also, all he wouldn't stuff. have had to make a substitution to change that, because, you know... Yeah, push Marquinhos just, just forward. Shift Marquinhos, and, and there you go. That's how you normally play. Yeah. Well, this, this is actually one of the things that Dimeco said. He said, you know, it's always whenever the team wins, it's all thanks to the players. When they lose, it's down to the coach. And a lot of it is down to the coaching in this, in, in this um, example. But he said, you know, Silva's experienced enough. Neymar is experienced enough and apparently one of the best players in the world. If they can see that it's not working, Silva should say, look, we've got three defenders marking the same player. Marquinhos, why don't you push to the midfield where they need help? Neymar should be... Match aware enough to say, look, I'm trying this and it's not working, so I'm going to try something else. I don't know, maybe swap wings with Di Maria, who's having a complete off day. And actually, he's got away with a lot of criticism, I think, probably because he's been so good most of the rest of the time. But Tuchel changed nothing. After the match, the other thing he said was, you know, practically it's not fair because. Um, Dortmund had one more day to rest and have also played seven fewer matches in 2020. First of all, PSG have got enough of a big squad to rotate. Um, so that's no excuse. Look, you know, Amiens, most of those players didn't feature. So don't talk about an extra day's rest because it's a completely different team. It's ridiculous. Mm. Secondly, if that's the case, and if you're worried about your team's um, sort of physical state, why the hell do you only make one substitution? In a match where it's not working and you're saying players are tired, Neymar, you know, however he played, he was clearly sort of heaving by the end of the match. Um, why make no more changes then? It makes absolutely no sense. I still sense, in terms of Tuchel, I always I have liked him, I have rated him. I think a lot of the stick he's got, certainly last year, um, was unfair. But actually, I think he... he has come across as a bit of a bottler recently as well. Um, also got a little bit too tetchy in, in after certain matches in Liga as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I think he's whatever the op opposite of covering yourself in glory is is what he's done the last couple of days. But at the same time, I still suspect that like Emery, um, I'm still not sure that he's entirely picking the team. 
I still, I don't particularly believe that he wants to play all four fantastic or whatever they're calling them now. Um, every every match. And actually, in that sense, it was quite a big statement that he left both Icardi and Cavani on the bench. Yeah, I was but just thinking... when you've got two world-class strikers on the bench and you're behind, why not try to substitution? I mean, can yeah. you imagine Cavani, the, you know, he is so determined all the time anyway, 2-1 down in Champions League game, bring it. I mean, he'd have, you know... On one nine nine goals stuff. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just I just think it's um you know we we have to be um how can I put this I mean we, we do we do have to keep in mind like we said from the off that there is potentially an opportunity to turn this around but I think it I think it's the I think it's the overall situation we have to look at here and say it it yes it is only a first leg but it's the it's it's the overall how it looks, and and if they and if they play like this again in that second leg, then you know the, Dortmund are an ideal to, ideal team to to counter counter attack a team that is struggling. And we've seen before with PSG when they really need the result and the pressure is really on, that's when they crumble. Um, and and I don't I don't feel confident in saying that that won't happen again right now. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope they really go for it at, at PDP. And as I say. You know, they go two or three nil up at, at home, tie's probably done. Um, but I mean Dortmund down in particular, Ellen Brot Holland, um, which credit where credit's due, that second goal in particular was fantastic, albeit I felt defended terribly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's when you've got a guy who can shoot from distance, what do you do? Show him inside and let him shoot. Yeah, that's a good plan. But um yeah, I, th- I think massive surgery needs to be done on this team if, if indeed it fails again. But I would argue, even if it doesn't fail, mm-hmm. I still think there's an awful lot, an awful lot to do in that circumstance. Yeah. Um, I think it's frustrating just, because. Mm, sorry, go on. I was just about to say on your point about you know whatever happens next time, it doesn't look good. What they say, what is it they say in politics? The optics are not good. Mm. It's the, it's the feeling, the presentation you know, that this club is showing itself to be kind of problematic at kind of several levels of the team. And that is worrying. Yeah. 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 Go on, Jess. Um, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's always been a bit of a sort of uh, element of kind of laughing stock about PSG, even before the QSI money. I remember things like, you know, them winning a tie really tough tie in Romania or somewhere like that in Europe. And then it turned out that either they'd filled, they'd fielded an illegible player. So a two nil win turned into a three nil defeat or something like that. Or, you know, the famous like six, one defeat to, to Juventus in the super cup or turning up to go to an away match and, and someone had forgotten to bring all the players passports, things like that. So that, that there's always been a history of it, but it's frustrating now because they're on a bigger stage and uh, you know, I think it's probably fair to say that none of us are their biggest fans in a league A context, but we are rooting for them in the Champions League as representatives of French football, particularly, as you said, Chris, when you see that the, the amount of hypocrisy and amount of schadenfreude that, um, in the English media, English-speaking media, actually, um, you know, whenever whenever it goes wrong. So um, I am rooting for them. 
but they make it so hard. I mean, <laughs> Neymar, Neymar makes it hard because he's such a dislikable figure anyway. It's, I genuinely have always liked Neymar as a footballer. When he's actually playing football, I genuinely do like him. But he's so dislikable. That's not necessarily the case for a lot of other players. Although, you know, even someone like Verratti, who in lots of ways is likable, like I said, how can you tolerate someone who did what he did yesterday? Mm. It's absolutely, it's a complete dereliction of duty. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's in any, it's kind of the equivalent in any other employment of final warning. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They call it gross negligence, you know. Yeah. Clear your desk, off with the aspidistra. And that's the thing. I think it really is something that, that just permeates the whole club. I don't necessarily believe this fear thing. I do for certain people there, certain players, Thiago Silva, for example, Tuchel maybe. And I would have said not Leonardo, but I really think, especially now with a bit of hindsight, that that um, sort of statement he gave a couple of weeks ago, which apparently was to show how unscared everyone is. A lot, some people at the time said, this is such a, again, shooting yourself in the foot. You're making it look to the whole of the footballing world like the whole t- club is shitting themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think there is an element of that. But it's it's the rest of it. It's just they're not being run like a proper football club. There's no respect. You know, Kimpembe's brother, it's his brother... It, it, you know, it's not, you can't blame Kimpembe for what he said or anything like that. But it just, again, it feels like the tone has been set where it's okay for players' families to to publicly criticise the coach. It's just, it's not acceptable. And, and as Chris said about Neymar getting two weeks off, I mean, I think in this case, actually, genuinely, um, he was injured. And then I think the club, again, this is another element of fear. I think the club were worried about him getting injured again, but at the same time he got injured and literally the next day it was his birthday party. And literally the next day after that, he was at a fashion show, like sporting some, some new jeans or something. It's not serious for certain players. It's like playing for PSG that, you know, the day-to-day job of being a footballer goes second to the other stuff. And it should not be like that. And until it changes, and you look at, sorry, look at Kouassi and how well he played against Amiens. He scored two goals. It's not his job. He's not even sure if he's a defender or a midfielder. He keeps being pushed around. And yet he shows a completely mature performance, manages to score two goals, which he sh- you know, is a bonus. Why wasn't, why didn't he play? He's a player on form. He's a player who's fit if there's question marks about certain other players' fitness. And I saw a French correspondent. Um, the only thing that annoys me more than the English media's treatment of French football, actually, is French media's treatment of French football. It's just it's <laughs> non-stop doing it down. Um, and I saw a French correspondent say, well, you know, PS, look at Dortmund, all their young players, and, you know, the winning goal was set up from a 17-year-old to a 19-year-old. Well, this is French football's fault for not putting any trust in youth. I think that's a ridiculous thing to say because probably, even if it's by necessity, more probably more than any other league, including the German league, okay, there's the high profiles of Dortmund and Leipzig, for example, but, you know, not all the teams are like that playing kids. The French team, the French football is brilliant for bringing through youth and giving young players chances. But PSG 
are notorious for not doing that. Mm. And here is a player who has managed to get into the team, who has managed to prove himself. Why not bring play him? Why not, even if not, you're not starting with him, which is fair enough, when things aren't going right, bring him on. Do something different. Make Dortmund think. Play someone, you know, who could interchange with Marquinhos, defence and midfield. Someone that, that someone Dortmund that, maybe that just they, don't have so much research yes, about. Yes, they wouldn't have seen him playing every match for the past God knows how long. So yeah. it's like, oh, we don't know what to expect here. Yeah, take take a gamble, and 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 I think the only other thing I would pick up on as well was having, because I've watched the, the PSG going back twice now for my sins. Oh my lord! Yeah, um, and and comparing it to the other game, the Atletico Madrid game, which which I've also watched just the once on that one, but um, the the difference in tactical acumen and. Um, shithousery, basically, in in that game. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you are referring to Atletico Madrid, however. Yeah, so. and and Diego Simeone, of course, who is yes. the master at, at such events. But I mean, that to me, w- that that that's game management. That's how you manage that that situation. Um, and and for me, PSG of once again, it's the dereliction of duty. The fact that they haven't been able to manage. A, a circumstance, and as just said, uh, if they'd have come out of that losing four five one. Could anyone really have said, you know, that they didn't deserve that? I mean, I, I, I genuinely don't think you could. Could you? I think also, you... you look at you look at Atletico's recent league form, and it was it's, it has not been good at all. Even their defence has not been great, and they started without probably their their two starting strikers. Um, they managed to surpass su- 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 the right word. You know, they managed to. I'll say surpass. They managed to surpass themselves and and raise their game. I don't know how many levels because this is the Champions League. Mm. And, 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 and always do the opposite. I and I kind of that it's because the league is too easy. It's bullshit. Look at Liverpool. Although to be fair, the two matches Liverpool have lost have been in Europe. Mm. Oh, I was just um, obviously I had Twitter up as I was watching um, the PSG game, and I think. Did Atleti scored after what four minutes? Yeah. And I think obviously several people then tweeted, "Okay, and Simeone is now going to have them backs against the walls, defend, defend, defend for the next eighty-six minutes." And that's yeah. pretty much exactly what they did. Yeah, twenty-seven percent possession. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> who, who gives the monkeys if you yeah. win the game? Yeah, you know, that's 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 the it. Way. He has a plan, mm. and that plan is executed. Mm. And nobody argues with him. <laughs> him yeah, and Klopp, it. And Klopp that can is... lie about it all he wants, but yeah. it's it's in the rules. Mm. It's the kind of thing that you know Liverpool. Was it defending is also about. part of the game? Is mm. uh, one of the ramble favourite sayings. So yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, and and you have to be on your game, and you have to do the the, the things that are needed. You do them well, and and therefore you end up probably winning the game. Um, it just boggles the mind, really, really does when you when you look at it from an outsider sort of looking in. But yeah, I mean, as I say, there is a second leg to come. Um, you know, we do. I mean, they'll, to... they'll probably win that three 0 now. Um, you know, probably, but I still think. Then, it... But as you said, it's this. Whatever happens next time, this is still an important match and a worrying match. Mm. So. 
And it, I mean, and it might, in a way, it might be good for PSG that they're not defending a lead and they've actually got something to chase. Got, yeah, and and have got to come out and have got to and and almost the uh, because I, I would still put them down as I think I will go so far as to say they're still favourites. If you look at the overall, Probably. yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, look at the overall situation of the tie. Um, you know, I, I would argue that they are probably still favourites and would defy the power they've got. But it's it's what turns up. Um, we shall see, I guess. I guess I, I can't imagine that um, many podcasts could do much more on PSG than we have there. So um, hopefully that's <laughs> hopefully let's, that's kept you all entertained. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well we will we will move on from that particular tie now. Um, as I said, we've got Leon next week to cover as well. Let's hope that they have a a better time of it in their game. Um, we're just going to um, sort of finish off the pod this week with a little bit of league R. There's no player profile this week because we wanted to keep it focused on Europe, but we will just nip back to league R and, and just pick out a couple of fixtures. Um, Jez, Monaco won one nil over Montpellier. Sparefield this one, um, but uh, yeah, a one nil victory for for Monaco in this this game. It's Lansfimani who very nearly left the club, getting the winning goal. Um, all of a sudden, Monaco are in fifth. I, I sort of had to rub my yeah. eyes a bit earlier on about that. Um, is it just that they've played some some teams that they should get results against? Do you think, Jez, or, or are we seeing a renaissance in in the new coaching setup there? Well, they're close. Montpellier were fifth, you know, so that's, that's yeah, quite... true, true. Okay. Yeah, that, that's fair, fair point. Yeah, on, I think that um, every match that Monaco plays, apart from against PSG, they should win. Um, or should expect to get points. Yeah. Um, I think they're, you know, they're, they're definitely there's there's signs of recovery there. Although so so much of it still seems to be based on Slimani and or Ben Yedder. Although um, I didn't watch this match, but by all accounts, actually Monaco are very good and and maybe deserve to win by more. I mean, maybe Phil knows better than me. But um, I, you just you look at the league and table and. With the best win in the world, that this Marseille team are eleven points clear of, of third. That this Ren team is third, and that this Monaco team is fifth is is shocking. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't exactly help us when we're trying to defend the league quality of this particular season, does it? That, that would be fair to say. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that is probably a, a fair comment. Uh, and like you said there, as, as you rightly point out, I think Monaco should be winning against these sides, particularly when you look at the, the score <coughs> taken, but. Uh, sorry, no, I don't mean just Montpellier. I mean in general. I think they should okay. be where they are. That's that's where they should be. Um, we did briefly touch on the the, the, the craziness of Amiens four PSG four. Um, that was, was uh, that reminded me. Was there a there was a Premiership game where that happened, wasn't it? Somebody went. Yeah, let's not talk about that, shall we? Yeah, that was Arsenal Newcastle. I thought it? it might have. I thought, I thought they went they went yeah, four nil yeah. up, and then you equalised to get to four nil. Right. No, no, we we were four 0 up, oh. and then we shipped four goals, and the the late Czech Teote um, right. got yeah. the equaliser. Well, I think maybe this one was kind of funnier because think... Amiens went three 0 up in the first half. PSG clearly had some kind of massive emotional moment at half time. They then went four three up, yeah. and then Garassi got um, a ninety first minute equaliser to to yeah. snatch the point back, having also got one of the early ones as well. So, no, it was it was fun. Is Herrera a right back? I I no. missed that. No, no. I, no. I mean, that. 
it's, it was a classic case of um, we don't really think Amiens are any good, so we can pretty yeah. much play anyone. Well, I, we want. Like I said, because we had Liverpool away at Norwich in the Prem at the weekend, and obviously this was PSG away at Amiens, who were nineteenth in the league. You can yeah, and. And I, the, I, I said when I previewed the cup game against Dijon that Dijon's only hope was that PSG would be looking forward to Dortmund. It's like, well, yeah, but they don't have to now because they can bin the match against Amiens. Yeah. And there was a degree of that, but Amiens should still feel very proud of themselves for in yeah, 19th place. And, <laughs> Coming and, back and doing that, that was brilliant. And in the, in the sort of nicest way possible, realistically, you know, dropping points uh, way to Amiens is not going to matter in terms of the yeah. title at I all. PSG so. do not care. It was just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, that was one. Just going back to the cup games, obviously we had the quarterfinals. Uh, so the semifinals, which will be early March, are Saint-Étienne versus Rennes and Lyon versus PSG, the match that never gets old because that's two cup matches as well as two league matches Saint-Étienne continued to be in all sorts of bother because mm, yeah. I was at weekend before last which we didn't get to cover because uh, we weren't here last week where Montpellier held out for a 1-0 win down to 10 men against Saint-Étienne he just looked bereft of any ideas up front and then they lost 3-2 to Brest who mm. frankly are you know fine uh, so Saint-Étienne have lost Four games on the bounce in the league. They are mm. sixteen. This is Saint Etienne. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nîmes just below them, four wins in a row, having clawed themselves up to something approaching positivity. So that's that's the big thing. It's that Saint Etienne yeah. are dropping points, but teams around them are, are winning all of a sudden. And and yeah, well, that one team is winning. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Not going to do much soon, but um, that relegation that um sorry barrage spot yeah is still is still all to play for so yeah. it will that be was thing to see what happens that was indeed one of the sunday weekend. one of the sunday games brass race into a three nil lead uh paul Elsner, yeah. and cardona and buanga and dioni pulled two back but it wasn't enough well the thing is in, in the cup game um santetian were playing epinal one of the uh, fourth tier sides in it they won two one um, I think they went 2-0 up and then Epinal got one back and were really pushing. But Saint-Étienne looked really unconvincing against a fourth-tier side to get mm. themselves that berth uh, against Rennes, who beat the other fourth-tier side, Belfort, 3-0. A much more convincing from them. And obviously yeah. their league standing is looking significantly better as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's uh, it's it's one to keep an eye on the Sanetian situation. I think it would be fair to say. Um, there is more gas in this explosion. As yes, yeah, just needs a match now. Um, speaking of people to keep an eye on, um, I did, did just want to uh, give a little bit of love to the Dijon forward. Um, Shuya, where we're going with Jez, is that the right pronunciation? Shuya? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've really, really liked his performance um, Munier Chouillard um, he's a 21 year old France striker um, actually his birthday is two days for mine how interesting um, but yeah I, I thought he, he really impressed me it reminded me a lot of when Norris Dionne first broke through and I sort of liked the look of him then and uh, he will certainly be hoping that his career goes a slightly higher direction but um, he scored twice in uh, Dijon's 2-2 draw away against Bordeaux um, Dijon showed some real fighting character in that one. The second goal in particular is, is, is delightful. Um, the way he cuts in, 
Costile gives it the the momentary wave goodbye as it curls around him into the far corner. Um, and uh, yeah, Dijon claiming a point, but he's definitely a, a player I would just keep a little eye on. He might be one that ultimately goes nowhere, but I, I liked his confidence. Or and more likely goes elsewhere if yeah, he continues to be ends good. Up at, ends up at Newcastle probably, but uh, yeah, um, I thought I thought his performance was a, a standout. Bordeaux. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Huang. I like him. I like the fact he plays with a smile on his face. He's, he's a good little player. But uh, yeah, Bordeaux ultimately um, will we'll see this as points dropped. Um, just a quick question, actually. Jess, do you know Orville? Do you know the reason why Benoit Costil um, still looks like a transformer on his left elbow? You see, he always seems to have this. I don't know whether it's now become a, a bit of a, a habit or a, a superstition, but he has this heavily bandaged left elbow for every game. I don't know whether there's a reason for that that you're aware of at all. Don't know. I mean, if you were chucking yourself on the floor in this weather frequently, I wear shin pads, um, you know, knee pads and and padding and stuff. To me, that's sort of, you know, I'm I'm a striker bearing down on goal and I see my goalkeeper's got a heavily bandaged left elbow. I'm thinking that's his weak spot and that was the two two Uh, goals. Maybe he's being sneaky. Well, that's also true. So anyone who knows, any Bordeaux fans out there, please let us know uh, about Benoit Costil's elbow. Um, Nantes nil, Mets nil. Um, I watched the last 10 minutes of this. Um, Farid Boulaya sent off. Jez were, thought it was a bit harsh. It was a little bit late, but I didn't think it was particularly horrendous. But Mets clung on for the point. Um, I guess you'll take that, given the circumstances against a, a decent Nantes side. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the second week in a row that we've had a harsh sending off. Last week was even worse because um, it happened in like the eighth minute or something. And mm. even though we were 1-0 up, we, after, I think it was three matches in, in six days, it was a little bit much to, to cling on for the rest of the match. We ended up losing. But yeah, I'd always take, take away points generally, certainly against sort of top half of the table teams and... Um, Apart from that blip last week with mitigating circumstances, uh, playing decent football, well, playing decent football, we're getting decent results at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And again, a point away from home um, is, is, a, is a bonus point at the end of the day. And that's exactly what Nice got as they won 2-0 away um, at Toulouse. Not without one, a bit, bit more yeah. to that story, though. Patrick Vieira going postal after the game. Uh, I can't remember the exact comments he used, but... Um, feel free to help me out here, Jez. But I, I believe you said something along the lines of had we not won this game, it would have been a disgrace. Yeah. And we absolutely dominated 1 um, 0 up in the 12th minute. And Toulouse had uh, Gabrielson and Marrera both sent off. They were down to nine men before Christophe Arell got the late second. But Nice tried their very best to give Toulouse a leg up despite dominating the game and ultimately not, not taking their chances. Well, Toulouse um, missed uh, penalty. Missed Penn as well, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, you're when, it was, right. when it was 1 0. In the like the last minute. Can't help but feel this so bad. Can't help but feel this this won't be there won't be a, a happy ending in this relationship with Vieira and, and Nice come the end of the season, but we shall see. Um Nima having a, a lovely time as Phil touched on there. They got a one nil victory this weekend. Uh I say lovely time, they've won four on the bounce. Can't get much better than that. Kind of pushing them above uh, or up the table, I should say. Kazimir Ninga also sent off for Angers before Kone got the winner with 10 minutes to go. The Nolan um, Rue effect. The Nolan Rue effect, naturally. Um, the Leon effect is still in full force. They drew again at home, disappointing again. Uh, Strasbourg continued to 
pull themselves uh, at the table. Um, so he with equaliser after Bertrand Traoré put the the uh, Legon and in front. Um, they, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of Lyon. Is the focus on the Champions League now? Mm. Are injuries biting hard? They I just mean, they're, they're up, down, up, down, up, down. I mean, they they beat Marseille in the Coupe de France quarter final, which I know mm. our, our friend Tarek LaFalse, number 12, on Twitter, uh, was not confident about. He predicted an OM win. And mm. it was slightly surprising. But they're kind of still there. And it's one of those hmm, situations. So, I mean, they're 11th now. It's so up and down. Mm. And, I mean, Tariq's uh, motive for about the past four years has been they're consistently inconsistent. And, frankly, they're being very consistent at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if you're going to be consistent. And they play Mets next weekend, I think, don't they, Jez? So you're hoping that continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah continue on. Um, Rafs beat Ren 1-0. They continue to have a, a hugely impressive season, um, snapping uh, their, their recent um, loss and draw. They got back to winning ways. Still in eighth position, incredibly. Um, the uh, the penalty from Toure was the winning goal in that one. Um, and finally, the, the game of the weekend oh, saw Marseille and Lille on Sunday night. Marseille <laughs> on a Sunday night again. Um, yeah, this was an interesting one. Uh, well, Victor the and... second half. Was... Yeah, yeah. The, the first was largely forgettable. Um, but yeah, the 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 uh, the first half. Oh, sorry, second half got underway. Victor Osimhen. Um, further enhancing his reputation. I was quite surprised to see he's only 21 years of age. I didn't realise he was that young. Um, He is one that definitely will not be in Liga next season. I'll put my house on that. Um, Before Marseille uh, equalised through Reynaldo's own goal. Hang hang, hang on, hang on, Chris. You're missing out quite a lot of the narrative here. I was going to come back to that, but go on. (laughs) No, okay, okay. You you want to do the the actual score and... I will come back and fill in the gaps afterwards. Yeah, the winner from Dario Benedetto was actually a really good goal, in yeah. fairness. Um, but I, I guess you're referring to the, the disallowed second for the, Neil, the other. Which... Well, yeah, there was a disallowed second um, with Osman offside. I'm pretty sure there was something else was disallowed for Lille at some point. Um, Marseille got a penalty, which Mike Magnon, of course, saved mm. um, shortly before the... Uh, just after the Remy goal was disallowed. So that was kind of two minutes of complete chaos and nobody getting the ball in the back of the net adequately. Um, the own goal, were, that was absolute chaos. So it wasn't like, you know, somebody welled it in. It was, it, it was a scramble. It was a Leon, um, Leon goal. Uh, but yeah, and you could just sense, obviously, tempers rising, mm. should we say, in some of this. But yeah, I mean, Osman is quality where is he level. in the uh, checks he's got to be one of the top scorers in league yeah at the he's moment, joined third with 13 yeah with uh, Neymar, yeah Arthur Mbappe and Wissam Ben Yedda Ben Yedda yeah absolutely yeah I think he's prime Happy Diallo got... obviously is yeah, next on 12 still there Matt yeah I think I think Osman has everything to succeed in, in most European leagues in terms of raw pace um, strength. He's, he's decent in the air. He makes good runs, and he, he strikes me as a young talent that somebody will will take a gamble on. Um, uh, he was. Oh, he wasn't. You know, we're not talking armpit hairs here, but he wasn't far offside, and it was a beautiful no. through ball to Remy. He's got very good passing range as well as the striking bit. Yeah, he's a, he's a good assister, isn't he? Is is a seems to be a bit have been a bit of a theme for Lille that mm. they you know get you a man who can do both. 
Yeah, um, yeah was... which obviously is a is a, quite a, a kind of durable approach to take to scoring goals. And and of course uh, they all continue. I mean, this is their first home defeat in in for, for a very long time. But um, you know they continue to have a good season. And Marseille, as just pointed out, continue to be um, comfortable. As you say, eleven points clear in second, um, and are well they're Champions League bound. Um, how long yeah. they stay in that will depend on the summer, of course. But um, you know you can't knock the job Fiaspos is doing there, whether it's entertaining yeah. or not you know, write answers on a postcard. But Yeah, to be clear, I think that they're, they're, what he's done is amazing. And they're, yeah. they're barely, I think, I'm sure they've used fewer players than any other team, but even some of their bit part ones, I mean, essentially they're using sort of 14, 15 players. And Radonjic is even looking a player now. <laughs> it, it might be crucial that they've got this league because they, they might sort of suffer later in the season in terms yeah. of tiredness. But... Um, he does just seem to have got everyone to just calm down, which is yeah. kind of nice and seems to be helping. So I'm, I'm, I'm he's, just, he's just got the best out of certain players. I mean, yeah. Payet, yeah. I don't, I'm not yeah, sure yeah, yeah. he's got the best out of him. I think we've covered enough times what um, kind of a person Payet is in terms of choosing when he, when he decides to play well. But mm-hmm. he's got Mondanda back to his best. He's got Amavi back to his mm-hmm. best. As you said, Radonich is, is even scoring goals now mm. so it's I'm not what what they're doing is brilliant but I think even Marseille fans would would admit that this isn't exactly a great Marseille team no yeah but I think after as well. some of recent events maybe they feel like it's nice to just have a, a, a normal season and mm. then build I, I do like I do like the fact that as so you look at some of the younger players, Kamara in particular is one that I think has a big future ahead of him if, if things go yep. the way they should. And it's a nice blend with, with the likes of Jermaine still coming on and giving mm. 20 minutes running around. And, you know, it, there are some likeable characters in that Marseille team, which you can't always have said. Mm. Um, and part of me does want to see them uh, become the force that they once were again, just so that we could, you know, imagine a, a PSG... Marseille battle at the top again you know it would be unthinkable a few years ago now all of a sudden it's yeah unlikely given the money that PSG have but it's a possibility um, if things are done the right way at uh, at Marseille and as I say particularly in the summer it will be interesting to see what they do Um, just before we get out of here for this week um, let's have a look at the fixtures to come we've got Nice Brest on Friday night uh, along with Mets Lyon, which might be worth the watch for you, Jez. Um, Saturday fixtures, we've got Marseille, Nantes, Lille, Toulouse, where basically Toulouse at this point are pretty much gone. Uh, Dijon at home to Monaco, which might be a, a decent watch. Uh, Strasbourg, Amiens also could be a decent game there. Angers, Montpellier, and then on the Sunday, we've got St Etienne and in a really, I'd say, must-win home fixture with Rams, which, of course, won't be easy. Uh, Ran against Nîmes and PSG Bordeaux rounds and off the weekend's action. I'll be honest with you, I don't think any of them are must-watch. They're all a mix of up and mm. down the table. There's no tight games, I might think. No. Just because Nîmes are on a run and Ren are, you know, Ren, that that would be worth keeping an eye on but none of the rest of them make me want to go oh I'll put that on a sticky on the calendar I think mm. I think Mets Leon on the Friday and Dijon Monaco are the two that that stand out for me in terms of what I'll keep an eye on uh, I may well have a little look at St Etienne Rams on Sunday just to see if St Etienne can get a much needed yeah. victory but as you say there's nothing that you would sort of 
cancel your plans for. But I'm assuming for you, Jez, is that all about that Friday night game? Surely you're playing Leon at a good time ahead of that European game as well. You'd expect a few changes in that, that Leon side. Yes, hope so. Yeah, you can, but hope, yeah. Um, um, I think Leon, or sorry, Lille Toulouse. I mean, mm, yeah. Lille, Lille are very good at home. They've only lost to PSG in Marseille and Toulouse are Toulouse. I mean, if you just want to see goals, that might be there. Yeah, I, th- I think Toulouse are golden at this point. I can't, I just can't yeah, yeah. see. I mean, that gap is now, what, eight points to Amiens? They've got 13 points. Yeah, and to get to that relegation spot, thir- yeah, thirteen point. And um, wow, well, I mean, you and, think and... they're fourteen point. I think they're fourteen away from complete safety. Yeah, so they which need is more than they've got already. But and they've that's... played twenty five games. They are they are basically at half a point. <laughs> but that's also assuming that they would win a game. Uh, as well as other teams around them losing as much as they're winning. I can't see yeah. those two things marrying yeah. up at all. So, Meanwhile, yeah. I think Angers-Montpellier is probably a nailed-on nil-nil. Yeah, it doesn't so. exactly jump off the page, does it? We shall, we shall see. Okay, um, well, we'll leave it there for this week. Um, do hope you've enjoyed our uh, destruction of Paris um, this week. Hopefully that, that will keep you entertained. Uh, again, my apologies for, for last week. Hopefully it will be well for next week. We will, of course, focus uh, on Leon's uh, sort of task ahead, which I believe is next. Is it next Wednesday or next Tuesday? Let me look, scan through fixtures. Uh, 26th. 26th. Which Wednesday. Is Wednesday. So okay. we, we, will, we will plan around that. Yes, yeah, we'll either do a sort of a later in the evening or a Thursday or something. Um, We're not doing later in the evening. No, we'll probably do a Thursday. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, covering that game, which is, which is of course Juventus uh, comes to the Grubana Stadium for that home tie where you feel Leon definitely, for me, need to be taking something to the J Stadium. So uh, we will focus on that one next week. Um, I am right in saying there's no teams left in the Europa League, aren't I? Please tell me I'm right. Correct. Scans, yeah. I, I did think so. but uh, No, it was, it was all just very embarrassing in December. Yeah, yeah. So uh, everyone can go and watch Arsenal against Olympiacos instead. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yes, we will be back next week. As I say, we will um, try and plan around that game if everybody's schedules can meet up. Uh, worst case scenario is we'll look back on it the following week, but I'm pretty sure we'll be able to sort something out for next week. So uh, until then, uh, just remind me to thank both Jez and Phil for joining me this evening. Thank you both. Thank you. And uh, obviously, if you've got any reposts to anything that's been said tonight or anything that you want to bring up uh, question-wise ahead of next week, give us a tweet as usual and we'll do our best to answer it. Um, I'm sure we've wound up a few PSG fans tonight, so all three of them. I'm joking. I the thing is, I'm not sure um, we have. I mean, you look at their, them on, on Twitter since last night and they're all disgusted as well. I think we mm. might have wound up some Neymar fans. But I don't know <laughs> yeah, the same yeah that's true. Uh, I think we've just been quite honest and succinct with our views on where where it stands so yeah if you don't like it fair dues if you do thank you very much but uh as i say we will be back next week um thank you very much for being patient with us and for tuning in as always and uh, until next week uh, and uh, certainly if you're a psg fan try and enjoy your french football